Hi, I'm your host, Anthony Giorgio, and you're listening to another episode of QT, Queer Teen Podcast, encouraging the next generation of queer youth from across the world to stand up for what's right. Welcome to this week's episode of Queer Teen Podcast. I'm excited about my next guest. I'm going to have them introduce themselves. Take it away. Hi, everybody. I'm really excited to be here with Anthony. My name is Brogan, and my pronouns are both he and they. And I'm a non-binary American living in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, using mostly recycled housing trash to raise awareness for the importance of housing as healthcare for the LGBTQIA community at large. And what do you do with that recycled trash? <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's been uh, really interesting to be an artist who recycles housing waste. Um, and it has really surprised me to be something that a lot of American people are excited to support me in doing. Uh, so I take that, that trash uh, and I use it as a tool for people in my local community here in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, to come together around and spend time painting on that trash uh, to talk about where we wanted to go, how we wanted to look, and what we wanted to do as the LGBTQIA community here in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, And then we install it. We install a pop-up, whether that's in a park or at a local business that has allowed us to do that, um, or an organization or someone's house. Um, You know, it's really become an incredible practice of showing up for our community in a way where we share that LGBTQIA people are here. Um, We're incredible. Uh, We love to work together. We love to make together. And um, here's what we have to offer. So that's something that I, you know, get really motivated about in the art in itself. So that's what we actually do with the trash is we put it in people's yards as a big old radical statement to say that we're queer, we're here, and we're not going anywhere. <laughs> Fuck yeah. I love that. I think that's a fantastic. So what is the, what's the Pittsburgh scene like for the, for the queer aliens of the world? If you have never been to Pittsburgh, I highly recommend coming. I so think I. that, yeah, I think that Pittsburgh is, one of the strongest and most resilient queer communities in the United States. Uh, I have had the privilege as an artist of traveling to all 50 states uh, and I've got to hang up my artwork in about 35 of them so far. And there is something that's really odd about the Appalachian region in a way that we love to protect our history Uh, and we love to protect each other. Uh, And that is something that no matter where I've gone, whether it be New York City, uh, Miami and Florida or San Francisco, there's something about being from this region that always has me coming back and has me assured and confident that the LGBTQIA community here in Pittsburgh wants to continue to make this a place for people like us to live forever. So it's really, really incredible. Um, 
of course it's changed over time. Uh, but I, like I said, I highly recommend coming. Um, there's about 10 LGBTQIA owned bed and breakfasts. There's plenty of queer owned businesses. And of course, uh, if you're a drag fan, you know that we are home to some of the most iconic drag artists of all time. <laughs> of all time. You heard it here first, people. <laughs> of all time. All right. So that's just so great. Uh, we, uh, Bergen and I met uh, with through the, I was on tour with the Golden Gays and we stopped off at the Arcade Comedy, which we all say their name because they're amazing. And they're just an amazing establishment. Everyone that works there is pretty awesome. And then we just started chatting and that's it. That's how we connected. We connected that way. And I, I wanted to get you on the podcast and tell everybody, tell the world what you do. And it's pretty cool. It's pretty exciting. I just saw something you posted. You like posting that um, the trans flag, huge piece of recycle. I don't know what the material is, but you painted this massive dress thing uh, that you bring places and put it places, which I love. I don't know. What is that actually? What is it made out of? Yeah, that's a, um, about 35 feet and it's a vinyl uh, stretch of wallpaper that has a trans pride flag painted on it. And it has traveled with me to all 50 states and I love wrapping it around my waist and wearing it as a skirt through our national parks and taking photos of myself uh, with my very large trash skirt that happens to be a trans pride flag. <laughs> I love it. That's so great. I mean, that's just, um, it sounds like one of those RuPaul's Drag Race episodes because they do that. They always take the, the, they turn the trash into fashion um, a lot. They have like, they do that, that's where they do that like almost every other year on that show, which is fantastic. So tell me a little bit about you. What's your story? What's your what's your journey been like? Good golly. Uh, you can tell me everything or nothing. It's up to you. Yeah, I'm happy to. I mean, I'm just so, you know, happy to be connected and sharing with you, Anthony. I think that what you're doing is really cool. And I was really excited to meet you uh, and know about the Queer Teen podcast. So getting to share what I'm up to in the world as a queer person with future queer kiddos or anybody that's supporting queer youth um, is important to me because I wouldn't have been able to be who I am if I didn't have a supportive, affirming community in my own journey as a young person. Uh, so that's something that in my art and in my work, I always try to vocalize um, as much as I can how important it is for people who are not in the LGBTQIA community to support the LGBTQIA community, um, because that's how we get to thrive and be. So um, that's sort of where my story begins, is that I have uh, grown up in southwestern Pennsylvania. I grew up on a small rural dairy farm, and I was from day one, the definition of the flamboyant, most queer thing that you could find. Um, a dairy farm. Yeah, you know, so I was whatever was around, I made it fun. I painted on it. I danced with it. I sang with it. So by the time I was 10, my parents were pretty fed up with me uh, because they just didn't know what to do with me because I was so extra. And that's what, you know, one of the things that in my journey, I have learned to embrace so much. And it took me a lot of time to learn how my family did that as well. Um, but one of my 
favorite memories is that when I turned 10 years old, my mother took me to the Andy Warhol Museum in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And she told me because I was having such a hard time at finding who I was as a young person who was so in love with so much and uh, so expressive about it as a queer person who wanted to share that love. Um, she told me that I needed to figure out how to tell the world that story over and over again, like Andy Warhol did. Uh, and that's where, you know, my story began and sort of ends as with, you know, what the journey has come to is that, you know, I really, really love the way that you focused your podcasts on allowing queer youth to share their voices, because even as an adult, as you know, I reach into my, I'm 28, uh, and as I get into my age, I learn more and more how important it is that those years in my youth are exactly who I am still today. And right. it's an incredible part of, you know, what makes me happy. And that's, you know, what my journey is, is reminding um, LGBTQIA people that that young kid, uh, you always, you know, have seen yourself as, that's what people love and that's what people want to celebrate all of the time. Um, and I've gotten to do that in a lot of different ways. So, um, yes, you are, you are doing it in a lot of different ways, which is fantastic. I mean, I don't, I don't, it is tricky because you go through this, this world that we navigate through, right? So your parents got fed up with you, right? That language is so strong. It's like a strong piece of language to use when you're like, what do you mean? Like, let your kid do whatever they want. As long as they're not like hurting anybody. Or hurting themselves you just gotta check that but other than that i you know i was creating musicals in my basement i was creating carnivals i was charging the kids five cents to come to my haunted haunted, haunted houses in my basement yes i was like you ain't gonna come in for free and <laughs> i created all that i created songs music my brother's super gay like myself i mean i i made everybody if you didn't want to participate and you weren't having a good time i just kicked you out but um i created up until now, I still do that. I mean, I create these worlds for myself that are fantastical. Like, you know, it's because expressionism is a huge part of how people survive. So actually it's the way people survive. It's, that's the only way. It's not, you can't really, you could totally be mundane and not do anything um, and, and hide, which is sad because a lot of people do. Or just step out of the box and be like, this is, I'm going to go this way. You can go that way. A lot of people go that way. That's totally cool. But I'm going to go this way. And uh, I love that. I love that. Uh, I love that energy about you. I, I totally agree. And I love that, you know, it, it's exciting to hear for me just from your experience. And I have a lot of respect for you and all of the work that you have put out. It's so professional. Um, and, you know, one of the things that really excites me about um, what you just shared is that in your youth, you also had experiences where you know your family allowed you to be a human that developed this self that was somebody who was uh an entertainer and a producer and um you know that that is so cool and to be somebody who uses your resilience and you know that experience for yourself to make space for other people i just think is one of the most powerful things about lgbtqia people is that you get to practice um you know setting that container and allowing the space to be what it is so thank you for what you do yeah i agree with you on that like i think the queer queer beings have been here since the beginning that's what it was it wasn't it's called all sorts of different things of course uh 
but uh, queer is the word I love. I love the word queer. I've been told all sorts of things today use the word queer. A lot of not nice things, but also from the queer community not using the word queer. It's interesting. Uh, however, I'm not here to like tell anyone's story. I, you know, it's just, I think enough people try to do that for us, especially the LGBTQI plus community. Like everyone tries to speak up on it and, and like try to make a right. And I'm like, what do you, you don't even, that's not even your existence. Your existence is what it is. Well, it might be your existence, but you're not showcasing that. Like you're not bringing that to the forefront, right? So if you're not going to bring that to the forefront and you're going to be a jerk about it and mean about it, then obviously there's going to be pushback from us and we'll thrive before anything. We'll always thrive. We'll thrive forever. We have, there's no way of getting rid of it. Like it's good luck. And so, um, so I just, I just think that's an, a great thing about the queer community more than anything well uh can you actually so i have to picture this for myself since you grew up on a dairy farm was it a hardcore dairy farm like you had to like milk the cows yeah i mean so it was definitely uh one of those farms that had all of the animals uh and that's oh, okay wow. you know the the farm in itself was something that i had to that is a lot of my art now as somebody who um comes from a low-income background using my work to make sure that low-income people have access to housing. Um, a lot of that story about the farm was like most of the years that I was young, we were selling off our animals. So it was like very, very sad. You know, it's um, an odd thing to think about and look back on because for me, with the state of the world, I love being with animals and I love being on a farm. So it's very joyous. But as an adult, in the reality, when I look back at my childhood, we couldn't afford to keep a farm. And most people in the United States of America are facing that if they're on a farm themselves now. Um, so that's sort of disheartening <laughs> to, you know, remember yeah. like, the farm in that way. <laughs> so That's an interesting, uh, I know, because when you're a kid, like the idea of that, the woods, right, the backyard, the pool, the grass, the things that you're doing obviously you're not thinking about, you're thinking about, you're just doing it. You're just existing with it because your parents are not going to tell you, well, this is what we need to do. And even if you do sell the thing off, it is sad, but like, well, you can go to the, the next cow, the duckling or pig or whatever it is. And until you get older, you're like, oh, okay, well, I see, I see, I see, I see. <laughs> yeah. I see why that was all happening. However, yeah. you know, you live in these, I live in such a world where I was always told to like shut up and listen and mm -hmm. very harshly and which partly is yes, calm, slow down for a minute. But that always stuck with me more than any money, anything. And it's funny, the person who told me that the most is the person I'm really close to in my family, my lesbian aunt. And, uh, and I reference it that way because that's that my example, my strong example of queerness growing up. Um, but she also was the person I disliked the most. And, but now I love, it's just like this whole, world and like our parallel we clash because we're very similar so uh but she always you know shut up and listen shut up and listen because i was a very energetic child and i didn't know i shut up i was i was like all over the place um it wasn't until dance until i started to like navigate that so but i remember specifically that saying and uh so for a while i would my guard was up right so like i always put this guard up of like well then i'm just not gonna talk to anybody i don't fucking care mm. and i did that for a lot of my years like especially in the business especially if you're like going full force into the like 
the theater community and you want to audition and you want to do all these things. It's like you show up, you audition, you do your job and that's it. Mm. And nothing else matters. And I didn't like, it was just a war on me. That doesn't make, yes, everything else matters. This is stupid. <laughs> so totally. I figured it out. But it's like, you know, and that's, uh, but luckily my queerness has just always been there. So it's never been, uh, you know, I, I was lucky. Yeah, I have a really cool family. And I brought my boyfriend to the prom in 2000. And I did all Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Did you, I, have boy, did you have people that you were with growing up in so, rural Pennsylvania? Yeah. You know, I wanted to share a little bit about that. You know, from my experience in my journey, one of the things that was really difficult for me as a queer person was that um, in my rural community, as a non-binary person, I've always been understood. I have been one of the most gender expressive people that I've ever even met. And I, you know, that's a little ostentatious to say because I've met some drag queens, but I mean, I literally change my outfit like maybe seven times a day and my gender changes with each one. So I, you know, I'm very fluid in that expression and I always have been. Um, so as I got older, one of the things that I really had to understand about the LGBTQIA community was the fluidity of the community. Um, and that my presentation at every stage of my life, because I was somebody who was out, changed. And it wasn't my choice. It wasn't something that I had control over. It had everything to do with the way that people understood who I was as a queer person. And that's something that I have learned deeply through time, but, you know, I share with anybody who's listening or any youth who tune into this or people who support youth is um, it doesn't necessarily always need to be a reality where an LGBTQIA youth needs you to wear a trans ally shirt or um, something that says gay. Um, I'm an example of a reality where my community never had to do any of that work and was extremely affirming and supportive for me. Um, and it was actually the truth that it wasn't until I engaged specifically with LGBTQIA people that I started to experience things like people understanding me as gay or pansexual or bisexual. Um, so it took probably about five or six years in my own coming out to the LGBTQIA communities that I was interacting with to honestly share that I'm transgender, that I'm somebody of non-binary experience. And that was, um, that's something that I'm proud of now and it took a long time to get there. Um, but I, you know, I want to just encourage people to really explore themselves and explore you know, what it means to be a part of the LGBTQIA community for themselves. Um, because in my journey, something that I learned was that, that a lot of the times that what I say out loud is something that a lot of people have already preconceived notions about. So the important thing is being who you are, no matter what, and allowing that to serve the public, like by literal definition. And that's where, I don't know how I got on this tangent, um, but for me, you know, thinking about that identity as a non-binary person, like I never even, I just went to one of my best friend's homes from, you know, elementary school and she has three younger children now. Um, and we've never ever had to explain it to each other. My girlfriend, Abigail has always understood that I'm not somebody who associates with a certain binary gender. So even now when I show up and, you know, it's not language that we need to share, it's a human connection, a shared understanding that we've built that I think 
queer people um, need to embrace much more as we, you know, come into our own movement. But, you know, I'm sitting there with her and her kids and her oldest daughter, Phoebe, asks me about my painted nails. And um, Phoebe and I go into a dialogue about gender normality, you know, with who gets to paint their nails. And my best friend, Abigail, who is a cisgender woman, allows us to have the conversation. And that is a perfect example and model of, you know, a parent being a great parent to and an ally to a transgender person, you know, allowing that authentic moment to just be what it is rather than how you mentioned earlier, like harp in and speak up about it or talk about something they just don't even know about. So I don't know how we got there, but it was important to share. <laughs> it doesn't matter how we get there. It's just that we get there. And, um, you know, that's the truth. It's like, and it's tricky in the queer community because people are really nasty. And so like people don't want to share their experiences because of who they're around and like their family and religious upbringing, you know, obviously things come into play. You may know that that's, that's, you know, I have lots of conversations about that. I talk to people all over the world about it, um, but it's pretty cool. So but thank you for sharing that. So what else are you doing with, besides, um, I know we, there's other things that you're trying to get started in Pittsburgh specifically um, for uh, housing. Yeah. I mean, one of the, most incredible uh, opportunities that has come out of my art is that because I'm somebody who's always been very loud about uh, needing my own, you know, a space for me to go to be, uh, that is inspired a project that I can't believe that I can say it out loud. <laughs> but um, I have, through my art, secured uh, a federal grant to allow for uh, the first supportive, permanent, gender-affirming housing location to temporarily house and permanently support people who are seeking um, that type of housing in Allegheny County in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, uh, for the second year in a row. So um, this is the second year, and I'm piloting this program to be responsive to gender-expansive people who are seeking uh, lives of stability and lives of um, support and basic essential needs such as housing, healthcare, and employment. Uh, and it's going well. And I am in conversations with the state and a couple different health agencies to eventually move into what is a historic bed and breakfast so that it can be owned and operated by gender expansive people uh, and host queer people from all over the world to our world-class city here in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania and show them that not only do we know how to run a world-class bed and breakfast, but we know how to produce world-class art right here in our steel town. <laughs> so I'm very excited about it. I can't, I can't believe I get to say it out loud. <laughs> it's cool. I mean, if you do the work and it does pay off and, and it will pay off and, and people will be able to thrive because of it. You know, that's, that's just the way humans should be. <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I, I always, it's, it's, there's all these things happening in America specifically right now, right? There was just that shooting and, and you're just like, but of course there was. I mean, that's, is it a shock to us? No, there, there's no shock value evolved because people that are in charge, a lot of places are not great. <laughs> They're awful. They're yeah. awful human beings. And, there's, and, and, and I don't think people actually talk about that. Um, I actually don't really, we say things, but I don't think people are like, no, actually this is just, this, these are just horrible people. And, uh, and, and, and 
prayers and thoughts and signs and, and, and all these things are honoring these people, but it's not, it's not doing anything. So we have to really, the, 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 the language and the energy need to shift really hard or we're just not gonna, you know, I often talk about humanity as a whole probably hasn't really changed much. We've expanded in technology, of course, obviously we're doing this. Uh, we've really expanded in technology. We have things that we've never had before, right? But as a humanity, as a society, in general, we really haven't expanded much. We do work, but that's different. It's not different. It's because we're trying. We want to expand. We want to grow language. We want to understand things. But we don't. A lot of people get stuck, you know, and they get put in a place where they feel they can't get out of because of a certain situation. But as a, you know, as and it's not a, it's a sad thing, but it's the reality. Like humanity hasn't really grown because I could talk to you about the same thing from 1745 until 2022. There's articles that you could put side by side from 1500 to 1930 to 1960 that are the same exact thing, you know? So we haven't, but however, the work that you're doing with that and getting a grant and like making it happen and building this community will be the thing we might not see it in our lifetime but at least we're doing it now to make it so people can embrace it and have it in the future that's what it's all about and i think that you know leaning into the you're doing that work as well anthony is what brings us both to this space and what um makes me excited about our connection is you know for me I couldn't help but realize that through all of my work prior to starting the Mansion Project and Notes from Brogan to support the Mansion Project, um, where, which is essentially just a place where queer people can go, um, I had been so lucky to be so many places and it was the same story over and over again that LGBTQIA people were the ones who showed up and we made that production happen over and over again for everybody. It didn't matter what was happening, but it was a queer person who stepped into the role of making it happen. Um, so that's something that in my work and with you know the Mansion Project and Notes from Brogan, I leaned into that for me um, and what you know that radical shift is for how we change our behaviors and really address these nasty characters in power and leadership that don't do anything. What can I do? And, you know, I really want to be a model in the queer community of what it looks like to just be a friend to one another. How do we allow each other to do exactly what we do? Because I think the world's desperately trying to figure out where did we go wrong with being friends and allies to people? And how did we not collect on those deeds when it was time to, um, and that's where, you know, for me, I've just always been incredibly transparent. I am exactly, you know, what I say I am, I am what you get. And that's where, you know, there's no secrets. So uh, I really love that queer people are who we are and we work our butts off to be exactly that. And that's why I think that, you know, building and harboring a safe space for us in all major cities across all 50 states is just a no brainer for me. I tell people that what I do, it's a no-brainer. It needs to happen. It's not hard for me because I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to stop doing any of the work that I do. It's, you just can't. It doesn't make, it just, I just see too many things, you know, on the TikToks and the Instagrams and, 
and uh or and then i show up i have an event that i'm uh gonna i am gonna show up to in california that uh i can't speak at the event but they're like do you really want to come all this way just the table i go do you realize the impact i yeah i do it's not even that don't be so humble as to say that like no one should do that we should i should go to portland oregon hawaii i should go across the seat if, if, if even if it's a one-day thing because that's how we expand that's how the expansion keeps getting larger that's how we expand that's how we keep growing that's literally like oh i didn't know about you well no because there's a lot of things in the world <laughs> to choose from there's a lot of things to see there's a lot of things that are blocked you know i spoke to somebody uh that's going to be on the podcast and they are younger they're like 20 years old and they said I didn't really know what gay was until my freshman year of high school. And this is now, you know what I mean? So it's like, you got to remember there are still people living in small pockets of this country specifically that are like, no, I was blocked from it because my parents are super religious. So why would I know? Why would I know? I am so with you on that. I just met a gentleman yesterday who's 59 years old and he had a wife and four kids and just last year decided to come out and live his best life with his now boyfriend and future husband. And I really appreciate you for sharing that and just stating that out loud because um, that is one of the main parts of why I get so excited about producing uh, art on, you know, what is left over and saying that it's important because, you know, for me, it's, it's, that that is the the extraness that I've held on to from my childhood that you know for me is uh, a reminder that I can't ever I can never take that for granted that I'm somebody who's been so supported and loved and I get to make these symbols out of trash to say that um, and that serves as an inspiration for somebody who wants to live their best life like I've been doing for going on 28 years now so um yeah i really really think that that sometimes skips my mind as a queer person oh me too i'm like oh yeah you you just like yeah you're like oh yeah yeah of course of course yeah absolutely you wouldn't know why would you know i was like oh there's the internet and there's books that go it doesn't matter people are really good at pushing back and keeping it from people look what we do with our history books look at everybody fighting you know um all this stuff about teaching uh history about racism like yeah they're really good at it if you go to the state of texas you the number one thing you have to learn about in the state of texas in every single grade is texas history and what does everybody know about more than anything when they graduate high school in texas texas history and it's not correct history but it's texas history (laughs) that's what they have to learn that's what you do you take things out you put things in that's what you know doesn't matter if you have a computer or an iphone or tiktok it doesn't matter you can block your kid that's underage. You know what I mean? Like people have ways of doing it. And I just, you know, I just need people to always know that. And like go to countries. I've gone to a lot of countries. I've spoken to people over in Africa and India and like, they definitely don't know. And it's like, things are just now new and people can still be murdered and thrown in prison for life for being gay. So it's like, you got to remember those things because the world is crazy and beautiful, but crazy. Uh, so a couple, couple more things. Uh, I asked my guests two things. One, I'll ask this first one. What are some words of wisdom you could give my queer youth listeners or whoever else wants to take this? Some words of wisdom for queer youth. Um, 
is just don't give up on yourself and know that in some of those moments where you're really questioning who you are or what you are or where you're going to be or end up is that there is a place for you. And that is probably exactly where you are already. Uh, but that's one of the most important pieces of advice that I've had to learn for myself as a queer person. Um, and I wish that I better understood as a queer youth uh, for myself. So take that one to heart. And where can they find you? I am on Instagram primarily. Uh, you can find me at also broken over there. And you can also find my notes from broken Instagram account there where we basically uh, invite anybody who gets connected to us to join us over on Patreon. Uh, and that supports the www.mansionproject.com. And we are located in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, playing piano on Tuesdays at 10 a.m. at the Inn on Mexican War Streets forever until I turn into dust uh, and making art here in Pittsburgh and bringing people around that mission. So yeah, find our website, Go to the Patreon if you'd like, uh, and mostly just know that I'm someone you can actually DM. You can, you know, get in contact with me, and we can have a very fun, thorough conversation. Not a robot. <laughs> Thank you so much, Brogan. You are awesome. Find out all the information about Brogan. Also, you can find out information about me and my Patreon at patreon.com forward slash queer teen podcast or visit my website and enter the universe at queeruniverse.org for all things queer and loving and i'm your host anthony giorgio and thanks for listening to another episode of qt queer teen podcast encouraging the next generation of queer youth from across the world to stand up for what's right and remember listen learn love